Hello and welcome to another episode of the Viva Bastardo show, part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by Inbound Motorsports. Now, if you follow me at all on Instagram, you will know that Rami, who runs Inbound Motorsports, is totally responsible for the Maserati Shamal, the Mitsubishi Pajero Evolution, and the Lancia Delta. I've all bought through Rami, so I've had personal experience with him. He's great. If you're looking for an obscure car or a fantastic car, an interesting car from Japan or elsewhere, he is your main geezer for this kind of antics. This podcast is also brought to you by Vital Oxide, which is a powerful odor eliminator, which, let me tell you, will be extremely handy for the Mitsubishi Pajero Evo I just bought from Japan, which was owned, I think, by like a heavy-duty smoker for 10 years. So that is definitely going in the Mitsubishi, and then I'm going to be driving it around, and I won't smell like a smoker anymore. This podcast is also brought to you by Economy Signs, who have been hand-painting signs on cars since 1973. They do extraordinary work. They do, they've do. they been doing rally liveries. They've done all sorts of fantastic stuff on cars. I've seen it. It's glorious. Uh, it's very tempting to do it to one of my cars. Be sure to check out their website in the description below. Today, we have Kenny Schachter here with us. He is an artist, an art dealer, an art collector, uh, a crazy car fiend. He's had over 150 different cars, uh, one of which is the subject of some extraordinary, horrifying lawsuit. Uh, also, he's commissioned cars by the incredible architect Zaha Hadid. Um, what else? Have I forgot? I feel like there's so much to talk about with Kenny. Anyway, Kenny Schachter, we're delighted to have you on the Viva Bastardo. Well, so let's, yeah, does let's he, take does, it. Does well, he need not, an introduction? Well, we're not rolling yet, I don't think. We are. No, we are rolling. I don't think we're rolling yet. Are we rolling? Rolling, rolling, rolling. No, I think she said we're rolling. rolling, rolling. Are we rolling? Yeah, yeah, we're rolling. We are rolling. rolling. Okay, so let's, uh, let us introduce Kenny to the audience. So, Kenny, you are probably the closest person I know to a pirate that I've ever met. Pirate? <laughs> yeah. Or, old, a, or a bastardo. You, an he, old Jewish pirate. Yeah, pirate. you're an old Jew. Yeah, like... Uh, Long John Silverstein. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. What? Now. That's it. That's it. Already the walk. I'm finished. <laughs> yeah. He offended you in the first thirty it, it seconds. That was the quickest. I'm too narcissistic to walk out. Don't worry. <laughs> That's what we're sharing. We have that in common. So you are. I mean. Uh, an art dealer, art collector. No, okay. You know what? You tell me. You tell because everything. Yeah, I'm gonna get the finger wag. I, You're gonna get worse. I get worse. As a little goes on. miniature can of black coffee thrown in your face. <laughs> so, what? Why do you tell everyone? I am an artist. Okay. A writer. Yeah. Professor. Yeah. Don't ask. Don't make a joke there. <laughs> Curator. I have dealt. Used car dealer. That'll. that'll and do. a car collector. I used to be, but I had an awful car experience, so I'm. Reco- I'm in recovery. Well, do you want to? Do you want to? Let's mean, talk I, about some good stuff, and then we'll get, <laughs> yeah. we can. I'm full, well, let's let's. This is like where did you guys then. first meet? Because I feel like there's enough banter here where you guys have definitely at least <laughs> maybe thrown okay. some punches well, at some point. Yeah. I forgot how I first became aware of you. I think it was some mutual. I don't have many friends, but it must have been a mutual one. Well, you were living somewhere. In, you were living in England at the time. Yes, and, and then I, I came to your garage. And I, <laughs> okay, so that's a bit of a touchy subject because you came to the garage, but because I'm so senile, I don't remember that at all. Though now I remember it. But then when I said I'm really excited to meet you, like I've already met you, fucking idiot, <laughs> and I thought, oh shit, we have already met. Can you capture the eye roll? <laughs> it's visible. It's aud- audibly visible. Audible. Um, so, yeah, we, you were living in London. I can't remember who the mutual 
friend was. But I remember you told me some story of driving your kids to school in a Lancia Delta Integrale and then getting stuck like on London Bridge or something. I was on Hammersmith Bridge and the car broke down. Yeah. I had four kids in the uh, yellow, bright yellow, gallo, what was it? Gallo Sinistra, is yes. it? Yes. And then when I got out to push the car, a biker in the typical pull yourself up by the bootstraps British mentality, a biker got off his bike, told me to get back in the car and proceeded to push me and my whole family across the bridge. <laughs> Did you make to ask safety. it to push you to your destination? While you're the back there. <laughs> it's only a couple Since more miles. Since you're a Lancia guy, <laughs> I could see by your appropriated logo. Uh, somehow the car just started while I was waiting to be recovered. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it something you you had done? I don't. Once the key turns, I draw blood. I had. I. I always say I have the lungs of a mechanic because in London I had a car under my desk. I had three <laughs> cars in my office, so I breathed them regularly. Yeah. But once the key turns, I draw a blank. So I don't. My mechanic, who I became the dearest, closest friends with, uh, he got me a, an engine kit to try to so I would understand the notion of a combustion engine. Oh, you're the same with me, man. But you're I like kept a, you're it boxed. A, you're a mechanical village idiot because I have no I'm idea. Just an idiot in general. <laughs> Well, yeah, my idiocy spans many genres, but but <laughs> <laughs> it's intercontinental. I'm a dilettidiot. It is intercontinental, the expanse of my idiocy. But I, I know, uh, well, for instance, I have, I don't know if, I'm, I'm sure you follow me keenly on Instagram, all my goings on, man. I know I'm you, looking right now. You, I, you, I count the <laughs> anticipation is killing me. You can't wait for my next post. I recently bought a Mitsubishi Pajero Evolution. I know. I actually sculpted one when I was in London. I almost bought one. Before. Did you? Yeah. What like, happened? I didn't find one that was in good enough condition. Okay. Because I, I, I did some. I tried to do something on the car, and then I subsequently it broke it. I mean, not in a big way. It was just like a loose connection. But that's every time I ever try and do things to cars, I always end up making it worse every time. Like it's just, it's all, it's, it's. it's I like, never tried. Really? I, <laughs> I clean it. Yeah. Do you clean? Well, I remember hearing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Jeremy Clarkson because. I mean, aside from his TV show in the UK, he wrote op-ed articles. I mean, the guy has a Herculean work ethic. Right. And he wrote some extraordinary, like, political pieces, really acerbic sense of humor. But he said, like, washing cars is for idiots. And for me, because, like, cars... Well, as a self-proclaimed idiot, that's perfect for you and I. Okay, relax. Take it easy. (laughs) I came to cars through industrial design. Like, I'm terrible at sports. I have no interest in car racing and sports. But I was always interested in um, in the design of a car. And when you drive it, you don't see it. And you park it, you leave it. And I lived with a, a, a handful of them. Literally, I had the nose of a car under my desk. So what was the The car? last one was a, a, an AC 3000 ME. <laughs> Wait, what? Where the engine was in the back seat. And when it started to smoke one drive, that didn't end very well. <laughs> I've Wait, had all, I had 150 cars over 10 years when I was living really? in the UK. Okay, well, <laughs> that's a massive. My num- favorite was the Imp, just because you of the name. Hillman, you had a Hillman Imp. A few. What? That's the only car I ever. So I bring out the Imp. That's the only one that I ever uh, made my money back and didn't manage to lose money on. <laughs> well, look, I mean, first of all, that you've had more than one is kind of an, a, a biblical <laughs> gesture in and of itself. And they actually thought that when the Imp came out, they actually thought it would it would give the Mini a run for its money, that it would eclipse Mini sales, which I love the Mini because it was it was the most democratic form of incredible design. Yeah. And it was 
equally equally coveted by rich people and not sure. rich people and affordable by both. You know what I love, and about that's it. really my whole sentiment for my life, for my art career, for my writing, for my teaching. That I mean, all, <laughs> let's get serious for one second. <laughs> then we can resort to did me you, calling you, you an you, asshole did, did you look for at the my rest face, of this. My face just yeah, dropped. Just shut I was like, oh shit, he's going to stop being serious. Up. He's going to be serious. I just love that is the coolest thing because it's such a stupid misconception that great cars and great art and great anything is expensive in this reductive um, society we live in, people tend to equate, uh, like Oscar Wilde said, people know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Sure. And like you can get an incredible classic mini for like $5,000. And it's probably out of all the 150 cars I've ever had, a little souped up mini, my mechanic like engineered his own way, uh, supercharger and turbocharger, which he equally affixed to the engine. <laughs> and that's the funnest car I've ever driven in my well, life. That, that, I think that's in part because people confound price for quality and or excellence. And as you say, you, there's things that are, that are re relatively cheap that are extraordinary. You just, it, it's... Okay, well, let's the, get back to making fun of you. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I actually was just thinking about... What's interesting about the Imp and the Mini is that that was an era when you could call cars Imp and Mini and people would buy them. Like, can you imagine calling car an Imp now? now no one would buy it. It has F to be called... F-150, yeah, Avenger. To, it has to be called something manly. Like, this is the Deltoid. This is my 12-cylinder Deltoid. Delta I bicep. I think that's your, that's your medication for your, your... What do you call it? My piles? My hemorrhoids? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if I'm going to be abused, I might as well just do it myself, man. Please, because I'm so old, I can't remember... <laughs> The punchlines to my own jokes. I, that's right. I could just dart in there, take advantage. I may actually begin to like you. <laughs> that's very long shot, man. But do you know what I mean? There's something fascinating about the naming of things. Because I remember I read a book by Martin Amos. I think it's called London Fields. And in that book, he, he, he's an. Have you ever read any of his work? He's a mm -hmm. genius writer. And in it, he talks about a book, a car called the Leviathan, and he's making fun, right? But then now, oh no, he called it. There was a car called the Armada. And now there is actually an Armada. You know, they, I Wasn't mean, that a really ugly Renault or something? No, the Armada was, is now like a massive SUV. But I love the fact that, you know, it's actually kind of fascinating if you think about names now. Like names now, like, you know, oh, look, it's the Honda Invasion. Oh, look, it's the Mercedes Blitzkrieg. Like, you know, they're all kind of named. They have these manly names. Whereas in the 60s and 50s, things were imp. sort of imp, that mini. Is, I mean, imp yeah. is like <laughs> super legendary Viagra or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, sorry, I have, I have an imp. Yeah, that's that's right. Oh, see, see your doctor about your imp. I mean, I bought cars for crazier reasons. Normally, the furniture, like the furniture in a Renault Turbo One, the seats, the seats oh. in a two point seven. I like the 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 hardware of a two point seven RS lightweight seat. It has this crazy little screw, which is just extraordinary. <laughs> the well, the Renault Turbo uh, interior, the Gandini original Gandini interior, is unbelievable. Right. So I had Didn't trouble driving the car, so I kept the seats and got rid of the car. That's all that remains. <laughs> I made I actually made a, a chair from the seating of a turbo. I bought that car because the seats were was probably it? the coolest seats I've ever seen. The whole thing is in amazing. an automobile. Yeah, but I could never downshift from I had a hard time grunching the gears going from <laughs> in the dog leg. I could never do like second to first. It right. just never ended well. Was it red or so blue? I got, it was blue and then the seats the blue red. seats I found a little oh. dull. Because the car was so exotic, and then yeah. I, I found an original pair of red seats and swapped them. <laughs> and then when I sold the car, of course, I took a monster loss when I auctioned it. The new owner got back to me and said they would like the original seats, but they already had bases mounted to them. And one of them is in an exhibition I curated right now. <laughs> 
and I just sold. I sold you, the pair. You, you sold it. Yeah. I'm so sold. okay. So amongst the, I didn't know that you had 150 cars. So can you give us a smattering? Give me a, a smattering of like the what are some of the more well, some of the more crazy things. Yeah. I, I I had an Ascari built for built for me from the shell of of Klaus Wack. I believe that was his name. He was an oil entrepreneur, yeah. uh, Dutch, and had a factory in the UK. And he had these these crazy uh, hypercars called Ascari. He actually had a track in Sevilla, in Spain, where he copied all of the the, the t- corners of his favorite racetracks. And then I heard it was among the most dangerous tracks, and I actually went there. And bef- <laughs> did you drive I, on it? Yes, in but, a in a in a radical. It was really fun. But, but then I saw someone have a terrible crash. But there. I thought was, you were a terrible driver. I am. So what? I mean, it's not. Gonna- <laughs> you can still have fun as a terrible driver. But I, you know, well, that's true. I'm when all- I did the school run, I used to imagine Hyde Park. I was on a rally and avoid, and the the bikers in those lycra pants were the trees. Which I, my dream was always to sort of like graze one so they fall over, but I don't cause any serious injury to them. It's just more of a, it's more of a psychological injury, it's really. A sport, yeah. Sport. <laughs> but I've driven on the ice. I've driven to. I went to the Nurburgring. There were like seventy-five turns, and I, I would start daydreaming. Like, am I going to drink tonight? What it's going to be for dinner? <laughs> so like that wasn't a terribly good idea. Did you crash? No, I had two cars. I had a Dino, which I traded for a Mitsubishi. Wait, a two forty six Dino or three hundred eight. I had a shitty Dino. I traded for Mitsubishi. That value it was like fell apart. Yeah, but hang on, this it fell apart at the gas station when I first filled up the wait, tank. Wait, 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 I don't on. know. It was a Ferrari two forty six. Oh, it was the two forty six. Okay, yeah. I had one of those. I, I took it to that. the Nurburgring, and it was. I sold it from the Nurburgring because it was rolling around like a Cadillac. Yeah, man, it was, but that's that like, is that's not that, a sports car. Uh, but and my friend who I was with, who had like a D type and all these crazy cars. Yeah. Pink Floyd's old 50s Jag that they drove in the Pan America. What's a race in Mexico? Yeah. And I had a Caterham R300, and that was wicked. Okay. That was That's fun. a serious piece of kit. I could not daydream when I was driving the Caterham around the carousel turn that's like cobblestone. My teeth fell out. It was extraordinary. <laughs> the, veneers was look, the veneers look amazing, man. The oh, Hollywood veneers. Oh, I'm missing the so- <laughs> But then the way I had – so the Ascari – I've just realized. I I'm waited not- like almost a year. You don't have to ask me any questions. No, I've realized, on I realized, man, just half a cup of coffee. I'm just going to let you go. Try my fourth or fifth. <laughs> I stuttered too until I was around 14 or 15. Okay. So that's why I never shut up because right. I couldn't you, speak you, for yeah. the first 15 years. You've got, you're still catching up. <sighs> let me take a breath. <laughs> I couldn't I, – the Ascari had an agricultural gearbox, to put it mildly. Yeah. It took two hands to get that into gear. Okay. Got rid of that one quick enough. What other crazy things? You surely must have had a Citroën. I feel like you should have had a Citroën. I had a Peugeot T16. I had a well, but we, that was we a, shared, that we, was a bit dull. I found the T16 great because I, I it had, was too slow for no, something I, so I, fierce. Looking. I spoke to a I was friend. I became friends with a guy in, in in Switzerland, a young guy who'd never had one but was obsessed with them, and he knew everything about them, everything about where parts were, who had the parts, everything. And he said he gave me a couple. He said you've got to turn up the turbo a little bit. Yes. You've got to do this a couple 100%. of small things, and it made the car. Uh, and I had a, I also had a Group B exhaust, and it was a, it was really, it was quicker than the Delta S4. I was, I, I was with a mutual friend whose dad used to own Aston uh, in London, and he was with a friend of his, and he introduced me, and he goes, "Some schmuck paid 150 grand for this T16 at auction last night." Well, he was talking to the schmuck, <laughs> <laughs> and. Did you have a bunch of Group B stuff, or you just no? That, you... I love I love homologation cars, Same. so like rally street versions of race cars. 
I had, but let me just think of some of the funnier. I had an, I hate, I'm not much of a pre-war person because <laughs> I can never get them into gear, but I had a 1939 Lancia Aprila. Oh, those are amazing. Every time I got in the car, another piece dropped into the street. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I think my, the favorite car that my, uh, for the school run, I had, like, everything is manual because otherwise I have a micro short attention span like a mosquito. Well, it doesn't, so you, if don't I'm come, not you don't come across that way, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> you <laughs> come across off. very focused. Man. Fuck, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> so I had like a, an XJ6 Mark I that was manual, an 86 Wait, Mercedes XJ6, station wagon. Is the XJ6 the, is that the 12-cylinder coupe? Coupe from the seventies. It was six, I think. It's not the two door. It was the earliest iteration, like the Mark One. Don't ask me too many technical questions. <laughs> What's the? I, you know, I was trying to think of a technical question to ask you, but then I realized I have none to ask because I don't know how cars work. <laughs> but I have to say, like, I always love early nine elevens. That's probably. I think in life you're either a Ferrari person or a Porsche person. But I'm neither. But you've had both. I've, I haven't actually, I've never owned a real, I had a 308 GT4 and I had a 246 Dino. Oh, I like the Dino. wedgie one. Yeah, and I had the wedgie one and I had a, two, a 246 Dino GT, but I've never owned like a real Ferrari badge no, too Ferrari. expensive, too flashy, and yeah, they never run. It's a bit, it's a bit, I don't know, man. No, look, I, well, I also say, I think I, and this may be controversial, um, which oh. I know, which I know will shock you because ready, Kenny, you prepare yourself for controversy, man, because I know you. Where's you, my seatbelt? I know you've never, <laughs> I've never, you've never experienced controversy before, but I feel like a lot, mo- the, the, I wonder how many beautiful Ferraris Ferrari actually made. Because I feel like they they kind of you know well, the, the '60s cars are the museum 60s, works. Yeah, the '60s stuff is amazing, and I like the weird, quirky ones, like the 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 wedge one you mentioned. Sure, the 308 GT4. I wouldn't go as far as a Mondial. That's one of the ugliest actually, cars you know I've ever seen I in like my life. I like the Mondial, man. Of course, I think actually the I think the Mondial in silver as a coupe Ugh, is kind of genius. Gross. You, what? I like the 400. You had a Hillman The 400. In? Oh, come on. Manual. Oh, Man- come on. Manuel. No, the, I, mean, you, you, I don't know, man. The 400 is pretty down. Ugly. It's okay, Ricky. I'm like... <laughs> don't I, get too excited. <laughs> this is me normally. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. I thought the 400 is a bit... I mean, I like I it. said to my kid when I was driving in an old 911, I said, you know, I love the way these cars look inside. And he goes, it's so simple with the gauges. I'm like, no, in the garage where it can't get hit <laughs> by an SUV. Inside a house. No dirt, no no chips. No. I just love to smell them and to look at them and to really enjoy the way they're put together. I mean, I've had a bunch of Porsches, but I've never, I don't know. I felt like, like you know what? Actually, actually I'll say this. Owning a Porsche is utter misery because when it comes to selling Porsches, Porsche people are the worst people in the world to buy Porsches because they show up with like 14 experts, paint meters, you know, <laughs> sticks on mirrors that you're supposed to check under the car for bombs. Like all sorts. They, just, we won't get into the background of the family that, that well, that's a whole them. Yeah, that's a whole other story. But it's utter nightmare. <laughs> I mean, I was selling, I had, a, I had a Porsche 924 Carrera GTS Club Sport, which they made like 12. I had a 924 GT. Yeah, I had one of those too. Yeah, it was great. So I that had was that, a fun and, car. I, and I found the Club Sport. I sold it, bought the, and then, and it was a, my car had been raced. It was all this race history. It had been owned by um, who was that guy who had waste disposal? Um, he he was a privateer racer in the eighties. Uh, Bayshore. Bay oh yeah, the, the guy who took the garbage out. Yeah, yeah, the, he, yeah. He took oh, the garbage out. Oh, the waste disposal. Yeah, oh, Mr. Mr. Waste Management. No, but like, yeah, because he was famous. It was. It was. I think I even may know that some yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hwig, Hwig. He, 
He used to buy yeah. like nine five nine three fives from the factory. So he's he googling, he, he, googling waste disposal I had race this, car. I had that car, and it had been raced, and there was pictures of it racing. And then the guy I was trying to sell it, and some guy came, you know, with like a, you know, with a paint meter. I was like, listen, man, this car's been raced. It's not going to have perfect. As paint. you start to talk about race cars, we're going to get into the one cancerous car story that I have, which <laughs> plagues me for ten years. All like right, the, worst, the car gave you cancer. No, the car is cancer. All Not right. the car. The car is perfect. All it's right, the come on, scumbags man. Give, that are surrounding give it. Give us the whole. Give us the. Do whole. you have a good legal team? <laughs> Huge legal team. <laughs> but um, no. But I think a two point seven RS lightweight is probably the greatest all around sports car ever made for the road. What? Mm. What about a Maserati Shamal? <laughs> no, no. That's like a drug dealer's car. From Matt, the, if you ever see Miami that car, Vice that something. car is genius. Don't that point at me. No, no, don't point at me, kid. All right. Shamal was like the Dutch drug dealer. Car. I had a Maserati, and every time the warning light went on, which was every day, what, the car what? would only drive like five miles. It became restricted when the warning. I had the. I bought the car because it had the boomerang headlights, the oh, thirty two hundred. Yeah, it, that on the a, back it had these exquisite. I mean, who are, else buys are, a car? Those are amazing. And it had the craziest clock I've ever seen inset into it's a that, dashboard. It's that oval Volvo shaped clock. Excuse me? That's kind of what <laughs> it looks control like. yourself. That's what it, that's this is a family show, Phil. It's Easy kind of, does it, just, Tiger. Easy does it. Has this, uh, it's that, it's that You're tradition. You're revving up. <laughs> I have to go and relax. All I could say is it had, a, it, was a, it, was, it, had a, it had a Ferrari engine, and I would use it. I remember one of the kid's friends turning white like a ghost when I fishtailed around the corner <laughs> on the way to school at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, but wait, you're going to tell it. You're going to no, talk I don't, to. No, I'm not ready yet. I need some. You more don't coffee. <laughs> But wait, I do want to hear about your your verdict on the 2.7. I just think, well, aesthetically, it's. I mean, it kind of looks like me. <laughs> not to be. <laughs> well, like a. Uh, I was going to. I look like a. I mouse. mean, he was correct about being a narcissist for sure. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I look like because I have a. I mean, I'm in relatively good shape except for the middle. I can't blame it on COVID because I've been like this for too long. Everyone who's in their 60s or 70s, hey, as, hey, you, as you hey, are. Hey, 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 <laughs> I walked here from 62nd Street this morning. I look like a, a snake that swallowed a mouse. That's kind of like how I would define what a Porsche looks like. I just think you could see forwards. And, I mean, I've had a Janetta, the new version of the Janetta, yeah. which I had to be airlifted into and out of. That wasn't very <laughs> graceful. Uh, all kinds of crazy, obscure. I love obscure cars. I don't like anything. I know. Well, that's where we life. have. That's where we cross over because I am obsessed with obscurity. Yes. You, you, you give me a run for the money in that department. I know. Finally, <laughs> but I just think you know if. You could just turn the key to an art to a to an old Porsche a year after driving it last, and it starts. I know, and it runs, and it's really fun to drive, easy to drive, and the more you apply, the more aggressive. I mean, I've written for Classic Porsche magazine, uh, also Ferrari magazine, and a bunch of others, and I mean, I've had all kinds of different versions of the RS because I love the stripped out sports focused. Cars, so I've had nine six four club sports and two point seven from seventy three. I had, I had 70- an RS America. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would fill you with revulsion. There's nothing RS about that. No, what do you it's mean? More American it had, than it, RS. It, it, it had has, seats. It had cloth seats, <laughs> and the same engine is a three point two. Yeah, it had. You know, it had. It had those door cards. The, the, you know, the, with the with you the just like the label on the back of it because no, you're a player. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am. That's what I say. Hey, look, it's RS America. When no. you drive a 964 RS, you could you could feel a cigarette butt that you roll right. over on the street. Right. No, I know. I was actually interested really in buying the, uh, an RS um, 
European. What's that? In the, what's the, yeah, the Euro. Not the pink color. The, yeah, the pink of color. Course, of course. I man. knew it. I knew yeah, it. Did How did I know what's that? that called, what's that called? Ruby stone. Oh, yes. I love that color. You don't like that color? Mm, next subject. <laughs> but I mean, that's a form of red. No, it's pink. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's pink a, bordering on purple. Yeah, it's pink. Kind of, it's, so it's you don't pink. classify that as like. No, no, no. no I, don't pink, like red, dark pink. I don't like red sports cars. I don't like, like red cars. I hate, I hate red cars. Although I'm sure I've had a few, but. I've had, I had a few a, too, but, but. Abarth 124 Fiat that I took to the Targa Florio. I was invited by Fiat. <laughs> it was a barn find, but it was in perfect. I love old car. I hate restored cars. There's nothing that really annoys me as much oh. as a restored seat in a oh, car. Oh, you know what? It's the same for Again, me. Again, with the it's fingers. The same for Stop me, pointing man. at because me. Because I'm, 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 I'm very Mediterranean, man. I got all those hand gesticulations. You're from like, what do you call it? Uh, Spain. <laughs> what do you call it? England. <laughs> it's called England. What do you call it? I know. That? Where is like, where are the chaps? Where is like King Morstrom? <laughs> <laughs> No, the thing I was going to say is I'm the same way, man. When you, well, you know, when you see, and you see often in like a 50s and 60s stuff where they've kind of, those seats are kind of like, they're kind of like swollen in gorged yes, foreskins. You, <laughs> you know what I'm, you know that what I'm saying. That is, that is what? way, what? no, that's no. not. You're, the, a, no? you're a sick puppy, man. <laughs> Freak, I can't even answer Everyone that Everyone knows just, exactly what I'm talking no, about. nobody knows what, what? they just. No one knows what I'm talking about, they just They do me. look, when you started in the right path. They look <laughs> swollen. Yeah, they're engorged. But they're then turgid. like the penis reference was just like, okay. What? Do you have to sit down? Whatever. <laughs> Again? <laughs> Do I? Do you want to go into the bathroom and relieve yourself and get excited? Already about taken it? care of, Kenny. Lovely. <laughs> Already, thanks thanks like, for sharing. I like to take the edge off. So, you, but I hate that when I, I love, like when you see an old Jag and it's got this beautiful, worn, like sort of threadbare leather seat or something. That's, to me, that's beautiful. You want to smell um, the crotch of the seven people that drove it before. Yeah. You I don't understand why people. I wish no, it's was, gross. Yeah. If you want a new car, get a new car. Don't get an old car and then. I mean, but also in terms of as we veer towards the realm of criminality, people think that the art world is rife with corruption and crime and is a cesspool of corrupt, like picking up, I always say it's like picking up a rock with 300 worms intertwined, but the car world <laughs> Wait, what? Is, is much worse. <laughs> is the it? car world I find is just literally, I mean, I've had the worst commercial experience as I'm slowly, <laughs> incrementally inching towards the, this horrific the, the story, story is so painful. What? what? <laughs> Okay, well, but it's going to consume the rest of our conference. Maybe is there anything else you want to talk about before I before you? Well, I mean, I have the- I have so many questions because you know you're saying who the, are you? Who am I? <laughs> who am I? Matt's the producer. Obviously, I'm the Sherpa for the show. Yeah, he oh, just keep, he just keeps us on the you know from toppling into the abyss of. You've of already gibberish. been there six times already. <laughs> it's, you're not doing a great job. I'm not. No, I'm. You have failing. to rein him in. Like, get a muzzle on this man. Why is it me? No, because everything you say has to do with foreskin. <laughs> I mentioned that word once, and suddenly it's everything. <laughs> So what other what are just out of interest from the the armada <laughs> the armada of cars you've owned? I'm just curious. I had a grade uh, Bristol. Oh really? Seventy what, what, what Bristol? Four four o four o six, something like that. I just made mid seventies. <laughs> was that? I've always been intrigued because burgundy because they seem like they're kind of odd looking, but in like a fascinating sort of way. In the same way that um, shit. What was that other? What was that brand that that it was a double barreled name? Um, that uh, Gordon Keeble. No, oh well, that that too. No, Hispano Suiza. You Gordon Keeble. Yeah. That's pretty. That, I think I'm congratulating yeah. myself well, for that. <laughs> well, the, the fog of you, the wizened brain. You pulled that out. Let me just think. I'd have to go consult um, my the, archive on my website. But it's Rove kind of, cars. It, it's kind of inter- it's kind of interesting because it's there. Was that a nice car to drive or not? No. No. 
I had it restored and it was a piece of junk and falling apart and I got rid of it. After you restored it, it was a piece, still a piece of junk. Continue to be. Yes. Okay. It's Do you ever stuck. own a, a TVR? Just out of I feel like you wouldn't. Speaking but. of pieces of junk. Yeah. I mean, I came very close to get a 350T before I moved to the UK. Okay. I went, went for a test drive in one. I would have liked that. I mean, it had a I very like- pervasive, what I used to have smell prior to getting COVID <laughs> two years ago, uh, it smelled a lot like glue, kind of like my uh, Did bring back fond, fond, rem- fond memories of your youth. Yeah. <laughs> Huffing glue off your sweat bag. <laughs> nah, I didn't go that route. <laughs> it was Smoked a lot route. of joints, drank <laughs> a lot of alcohol. It was another route. Did you grow up in New York? In Long Island. Okay. Where in Long Island? In Lawrence. It's a town about Lawrence, 17 man. miles away. You know, I have summer you. in Lawrence. <laughs> or regularly, Kenny. It's horrible. <laughs> It was awful. So you, so you grew, up in, in, you grew up in the Island. Then, then what happened? You moved to uh, New York. I moved to New York. I went to school in DC. Then I went to graduate school in New York. So I moved to New York. I lived there for twenty years, and then moved to UK for fifteen. So and it was now graduate, back. Go graduate school for dentistry. <laughs> Oh, God. I, I feel I, for you. I, I live, I mean, yeah, thank Mr. you. Mr. Producer, I thank feel you. for you. Thank you. I hope you're getting paid. I, I live, I'm, I'm not. This is, this is charity work. <laughs> charity. I live, I live for Ken, 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 Kenny, Kenny's exasperated size. Actually, me. I went to the only school worse than dentistry <laughs> school. <laughs> I went to law school. Okay. Were you going to be because a lawyer? Because I studied. No, no. I can't litigate myself out of a shoebox. <laughs> but I studied philosophy and political science, and right. I had no idea about art. Right, I, literally, because my my mother passed away when I was young, and my father was not terribly uh, affirming or nurturing in bringing me up. May explain a few things in my negative personality <laughs> disorder, and uh, I didn't even know that I I didn't I never went to a museum until I was in university. Sure. I didn't know a art gallery existed until after graduate school. In fact, I didn't even know you could own art. I thought, stop smiling that I'm nasty. fascinated with you. I'm just smiling with joy listening to your silky tones, man, and the, the, the I thought I call myself an idiot, idiot savant. I thought that an artist made a painting and it went to a museum and that was the end of the equation. I did not know, literally, that you can privately own an artwork. And when I went to Andy Warhol's estate sale, procrastinating, I went into fashion after I took the bar exam. I worked all throughout school, told my family I was in night school, my employers, but there was no night school because I knew I what I, I basically defined my entire life for the first 10 years after school in the negative in terms of what I didn't want to do. I didn't want right. a regular job. I didn't want the kind of routine of doing the same thing all the time. And I knew I wanted to find something I could love and find a passion in life so I wouldn't – I mean, I don't want to live – I didn't want to live for weekends and I hate holidays. I just love what I do so much. And since then, having – I after Warhol's estate sale, Sotheby's was gearing up for a contemporary auction and it was a revelation, an epiphany where I actually – it was not just Warhol's cookie jars and jewelry and watch collection, which you would have loved. He was deep into like classical Rolexes and stuff. And it was his collection that he traded with Basquiat and Jasper Johns and Robert Rauschenberg and David Hockney, extraordinary works. I mean, Basquiat's was selling then, if only I had that kind of dough, for like $25,000. Right. That today could be worth $50 million plus. Did you buy anything at the estate sale? I mean, No, I didn't. I, have, I couldn't scratch. A few <clears> months <throat> later, I saw an advertisement for an art show at a gallery, which was the first gallery <clears> I ever <throat> stepped into. And they had Cy Twombly, uh, Sigmar Polka, German artist, and Joseph Boys. And I want I wanted one. 
And as, 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 you, as you would. <laughs> I had no money, but I had a job. So I went to J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, rocked up, and said, can I please have $10,000? And they turned their head sideways like a schnauzer and proceeded to <laughs> escort me out of the bank with no money. And then I had the manager, because I somehow managed to pass the bar through the haze of drugs and alcohol. And uh, I had a part-time job as a writer for a law firm, and that's how I honed my writing skill. And uh, I had the manager of the firm call the bank. I got a loan, and I became a dealer-to-dealer dealer. Okay. And I started to make art. So I'm completely self-taught. I'm now a professor. I've taught in the past. I mean, I teach for 15 years at University of Zurich, New York University, School of Visual Arts. In the past year, I got, I've got. i been making digital art for 30 years, and I've been embedding my own writing with my videos. And uh, in the past year, since NFTs came about, I've lectured everywhere from Harvard Law School and Yale and Brown and Art Institute of Chicago written for books for MIT and all. <laughs> wow. Wipe that Holy smile shit, off your face. There's no smile. And it's all, this is, it's my, a, this it's, is my normal face. It's <laughs> Take that smirk off your face. Are you married? I've got, yeah, I've got rest. Poor woman. Another woman I'm commiserating I've got, with. You know what? I can't tell you how many people <clears throat> say that to no, me. No, I think you're cute. You're a nice guy. <laughs> you want to go on a date? No. Okay. Not if I, I hear foreskin stories. So, wait, so, so, so you're deep into now the, the digital art, like, NFT yes. space. I even have the word NFTism, which I, I saw the tattoo tattooed right on my arm. So if NFTs go out of fashion, I'm gonna so go in heavy for laser the, surgery. Tell me about the look, the NFT thing. I feel, I'm I'm kind of I'm at the stage in life. You know when the when when you're a kid and your parents have the VCR and the twelve o'clock is flashing, but they can't figure out how to adjust it. Yeah, mine is now. That, that's right. <laughs> so mentally, I the am cable the, box uh, went yeah. down yesterday. Yeah. It took me three hours yeah. to be able to so watch. That, that's where New I'm York mentally. I, I can't. I can't really. I sold some NFTs, but I can't really come to grips. Oh. I don't really understand trading, flipping. So, wait, so, wait, yeah. so you had them, but you didn't understand he what didn't you know had. How he got them in his. How'd you open a wallet? For God's sake! I had some friend of mine help me uh. out with the whole thing because I would. I don't. Are really you understand. sure you actually have the funds? Yeah, yeah, I was paid in Ethereum. And then you flipped them. Oh. No, I was paid in Ethereum. Which, no, so I, then you're speculating. Was, He's master trading. Yeah, short term. Well, if, if you right? call, if like, I, if I short, it's, I just read most people that buy NFTs, 90% do it for to, for financial interest. Well, what else I thought you, you were a collector. Are you a, no, cri- are you a secret crypto cowboy? I haven't. He's what? a car. He's a, he's a car flipper, an NFT flipper. Just, oh my general, god! I'm just generally a dubious individual. He's a speculator. Yeah, but no, it's speculation. But wait, could you give us like the 30 second elevator pitch on NFTs for people like Look, Phil who don't understand? It's very, I mean, or myself. Okay, so I'll use for an example someone who hates NFTs and thinks they're all corrupt and criminal. Okay. David Hockney. David Hockney makes drawings on his iPad. And he had an exhibition at the Royal Academy in London recently, and he exhibited a series of photographic outputs from his drawings on his computer. Would you rather buy some shitty photograph that was outputted by the gallery for a couple hundred grand, or would you rather own the file that he, in which he originally created his work? So just consider it in the most simplistic terms, like a digital certificate of authenticity. That's okay. That makes sense. That quieted things well, down. Well, know, no, but then you could print as many of those as you want and you sell them yourself. You know what? I get paintings made in China. I could print – I could paint 100 Van Goghs. I mean – You know, I had, I had to, I did an art project. I had a whole series of paintings made in China. Yeah. It was amazing. Still I remember do. It was great because I, I, I emailed the guy. I was like, can you just show me a photograph? Can you just show me how the, the picture of the painting in progress just so I can comment on it if I want to change some things? So they sent me a picture of the guy who was painting my painting – 
painting it and looking over his shoulder and Watching smiling. TV. No, like smiling. Like it was like, yeah, see, here's the guy who's doing your painting. I was like, no, no, no. I need to see the actual painting itself, not the guy painting the painting. It was kind you of could, If you buy a photograph from Richard Prince, so it's like buying the negative of the photograph. If you buy a photograph, they could reproduce it a thousand million times. I've, in, or Warhol painted silkscreen paintings. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vice did a TV show replicating a Warhol silkscreen painting. And so, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Everything is replicatable. That's a yeah, people often you'll hear a criticism of NFTs, excessive environmental footprint from um, Bitcoin mining. That's a more legitimate gripe against it. They talk about crime and money laundering and tax evasion and grift and all the things that the art world has. I was going to say these are, these are art world things these, that they've been doing for a long. It's not just the art world; it's well, the core world. What I say is, crypto is not fucked up. It's people that are fucked up. It is a bell's curve of integrity and morality in the world. Computers, Bitcoin, and crypto is a, is is a network of of uh, interrelated computers. There's nothing dishonest about computers. They're computers. It's the people that run them, operate them, and hack your wallet. Those are the ones. But then again, like my kid had his wallet hacked two weeks ago, where it was an ingenious ploy where they sold they accepted an offer that was outstanding on one of his nfts they accepted the offer in his wallet and as soon as the money came in they took all the money out but at the same time my bank account was hacked where somebody got into my email they copy your the way you communicate with your financial institution and then they send an invoice in the same manner in which you're accustomed to doing so for your life or your business and then they try to steal your money and it goes to somewhere in this instance, it was an address in Hong Kong. Had I had enough money to cover the expenditure, which I didn't, surprise, surprise, I would have lost all my money and it would have been completely untraceable. So again, I mean, the same with this race car that I bought, which I'm <laughs> 10 years ago, and it's not an NFT, it's a car. And it was, to date, it remains the worst experience other than a loss in the family that I've ever sure. had in all seriousness. So can you... I mean, you keep you keep okay. T- okay, the, the, I'm the, ready. The, 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 <laughs> give it a stretch. Give it, you know, stretch it out a little bit. Uh, yeah, some like, more coffee. Yep, have tell, a sip. Tell us the, tell us the. Show us where the car hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> from my toes to my brain and in the midsection. Okay, so I am prone to be a bit in, I, impulsive when it comes to cars. I'm shocked, Kenny. Especially when I was drinking institutional amounts of alcohol and drugs, but. I went to pick up a 2.7 RS homologation car in Monaco, and I saw what what's called – it was a 1973 2.8 RSR Mary Stewart factory Porsche prototype race car that came in fourth in Le Mans 1973. Okay. It was called Mary Stewart because it had this crazy rear spoiler that was extended from a ducktail over the oh, – yeah, over the, the, yeah. the, the rear fenders – and replicated, it was referenced to the high collar worn sure. by Mary Queen of Scots. So I was smitten. And I am so not a race car person. I like cars meant for the road that have race car characteristics. And uh, But I've never been, like I said, I never watch car races. I don't care about F1 and any of that kind of stuff. Um, but this car was just exquisite. It was stunning. And it was raw. It had never been restored. Uh and it was a beautiful thing. So I had it inspected and there was known to be a replica. But I mean, oftentimes when there's a famous race car, you'll have toys made and you'll have these 
replicas made. What there's some other word? There's many words. Tribute. Tribute car. Yeah. There's like a <coughs> a, a dozen different terminologies Back to dates. describe. Yeah, whatever. So in the contract was the fact that we knew about this this replica of this famous car that was uh, driven by Gilles Van Lennep in Le Mans, and my insurance company went through it. My mechanic went through it. Car was unrestored. But like you say, when it's a race car, the the body parts are fungible. So this was a prototype, meaning that from race to race, the Porsche factory itself would revise the car from sure. different – it had a long tail. It had a short tail. It had various different guises over the course of its racing career. So I got the car. It was in a little exhibit – in Concours show in Classic Le Mans in around 2000 and, I don't know, 12, I'll say, around there. And Gilles Van Lennep and Octane wanted to write a feature on the car. So I was meant to drive around the track, and I had my kid there, and my kid was going to go in the car with Gilles Van Lennep driving this car that he had driven decades before. And I actually had the, the, the journalist drive the car because it was going to be featured in Octane and it ended up in on the cover of Octane as the greatest Porsche ever in like 2016, thereabouts. And uh, it was a really wonderful experience. Shortly thereafter, when I got the car home into my office under my desk, <laughs> I received an anonymous email from an address which was at like Porsche Lover. I had like I, I actually, and it said your car is fake. Wow, those are fighting words. That's terrifying. That's all it said was your car is fake. And let's just say like I borrowed money to buy that car, and it was not cheap. Sure. And I could not afford it, and I impulsively bought it, and that was the email I got. So I I knew some friends that so were no other nothing, just your car is fake, and that's it. I sent the email to like very like practically like a private investigative person, untraceable email. So I tried to sell the car, and then uh, there was a but, per I mean, this person could... who had the replica, Jacob Shallot. I'm going to say it because it's been in the newspaper. Um, he was contesting and saying that he had the car. So I had England. Sorry, hang on. He was saying he had the real car. Right, the one who the one who had the known replica in California that he was racing. It turns out that he's claiming that he has the real car. So whoever sent me the fake this anonymous email was affiliated with him, obviously. And it turns out what he bought was like a box of parts from uh, there's a from an, a guy who had written a book on RS's um, Starkey. So hang on. And he also so the guy who's written a book about my car saying it fell off a truck and this guy bought parts from it. He sold him the parts. He sold him a box of hope. Anyway, so I had Andy Prill, who's the most one of Europe's most widely recognized experts in the Porsche community by far. He he went to inspect these bits and pieces that Mr. Shallot has. And I want to make sure I don't get sued for like to end up like Johnny Depp on the defamation. Phil is going to come have a Taco Bell meal at your house. That's right. And then use your bed. 
What's that? Why is that? What is that? Yeah, no, she took, lost us no, she, took, no she took a shit in like his bed during an argument. Oh, uh, yes. Well, as you do. Four pounds of fecal matter. I, I mean, think he referred I mean, to I mean, I'm... You're worse. No wonder you two work together. He's uh, talking about dicks uh, and you're talking uh, about poops. Uh, together, we're, you know, the full, know. We're the full system. It's a little very So I sent my... Oh, God. So I sent my expert to both a city in California and in Oregon, and they inspected... This guy had a shell from 74 before, I mean... Manufactured after my car won Le Mans, came in fourth, sorry, raced in Le Mans. He had an engine that was an RSR engine unaffiliated with the car and bits and pieces. And he claimed to have uh, a, a chassis plate. So – Hang on. Can I just interrupt for a second? What what I mean, so you, <clears throat> you get an email that says your car's fake. Okay, so And I had consigned but, it to uh, Gregor Fiskin in the UK to sell it. Okay. And then this – but, but look, but that's weird. But, it's, but when you surface. have, when you have, you know, when there, there's a lot of, I'm sure there are plenty of incidences when people, when you, when people may accuse your car of not being a real thing. This but happens what, all the time. Yeah. So what, what possible proof did they? Well, here's what, what, what. Let me finish. Did, okay. So <clears throat> this had been like I tried to sell the car. We got a lawyer. I sent Prill. Um, they had a mechanic called Neil Bainbridge, who's another Porsche person in the UK. He is one he's the one arm Porsche mechanic and he inspected the car. And we at the same time I was getting my ankle MRI'd from a skiing mishap, my car was getting an MRI right. to check the the chassis and the chassis plate and all. This went on and on and on and dragged on for years. Finally I had a contract to sell it went quiet and I had a deal to sell the car and Right before the deal was consummated, it was invoiced uh, through former RM auctioneer, Max Gerardo. And right when they got the car inspected, this shallot mentioned that he was going to sue me uh, about the car and the deal fell through. I moved to New York three years ago. My wife didn't even know the address of the of the house I rented because she was stuck in Europe for a while. Right. And I was walking down the street and someone said, are you Kenny Schachter? Uh, I got your mail by accident. So I said, oh, thank you. They handed me the envelope. It was like in the movie, you're, oh, you you're being served. served. Right. So but, I strangled but, her. And then – But wait, I'm still I'm confused. murder trial. I'm still, I'm, as one, I'm, so but I'm still I got my car well. inspected yeah. at the Porsche factory yeah. with a Swiss lawyer and another person transcribing the four hours of – dialogue during the inspection of my car at the Porsche factory. All of this was recounted in Octane magazine where the car featured on the cover. And uh, Norbert Singer, who is the Mick Jagger of Porsche mechanics. I know who he is. He's had his hands, his fingerprints on 16 Le Mans winning cars for Porsche. He inspected the car from soup to nuts, top to bottom, every screw. And he said unequivocally, this is the car. Finished. Okay. And the way the legal system is set up in this country, I got sued, nevertheless. For what? For, for that my car was inauthentic. And we've had depositions. The legal fees are staggering. In this country, unlike the UK, for bringing a frivolous, ungrounded lawsuit, the person who initiates the legal proceeding is not liable for legal fees if they, if they lose the case. Is that right? I thought That's you. Correct. I thought if no. you lost, you had to pay legal fees. That's in the, in the UK. No, believe really? me, I'm oh. a lawyer. What are you looking at him for? I, yeah, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I, I thought he. I took I the LSAT thought... once. Did like, you? <laughs> I just did. Uh, Ten out of fourteen is like a pretest. Uh, it was. You know, didn't study. I wasn't going to law school, but. Uh, 
don't try and don't look at me for like to appease your parents. Yeah, yeah like look, don't, don't see, look at me. I did me. the LSAT. See, I got I got three out when of ten. When I went to when I went into art after I managed to pass the bar, like my my dad, I'll never forget, sat across from me and literally tried f- to force me to quit art. Can you imagine? Yeah, and now I can. I, I've done my art has been collected by a museum in Germany. Um, so wait, hang on. Okay, I just anyway, this is <laughs> so <laughs> it's still it's still pending. I've spent. So ungodly sums of money. And now the guy that I bought the car from in Monaco is close to like giving something to this scumbag that sued me. And he has nothing. He has a box of parts, none of which. And then like he claimed the one part that possibly could have been tied to the car, this chassis plate. Uh, Norbert Singer said they never use chassis plates on race cars. End of discussion. So we're just at the point of going to trial, which will cost me another six figures of fees and I basically co- harassed the guy that sold me the car to like make it stop. I mean I had a deal to sell the car that that was Do you that, still have the car? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it Is was it in, in the States? It was chosen by um the Duke of Richmond to be in the Festival of Speed at Goodwood and it was in the paddock with the Porsche factory race cars gone over by the whole factory team. Right. The car is the car. Right. But you could raise a cloud over title sure. like just by nature of Doing so, and sure. that I have a, um, I know someone else who had a D type. Um, it happened to him, and then this stuff goes on all the time, especially with Porsches, because the par- there's, I mean, the design has barely changed in like sixty years, and you know, people buy chassis numbers and then build a car around it right. using legitimate parts. There's just so many different ways that this type of fraud is effectuated in the car world. And it pretty, I mean, it almost dissuaded me from ever wanting to even get in a car again. It's funny how you can have an experience like that. Well, it's not actually funny at all. No, but it's, it's not it's, funny. It's deeply unfunny. Well, you have an experience like that, and then and then and then it just it severs it colors every. It, well, yeah, it severs any joy that. But you like, ha- I bought the car from pure passion. I sure. never, I had <clears throat> out of all the cars I had, I never once had a view the way you flipped all your NFTs for money. <laughs> Bazillions. <laughs> I never. It never occurred. To, I got into cars because I love cars. I love the design. I had Zaha Hadid, the amazing yeah. Pritzker Prize winning Iraqi architect. She designed two cars for me in a boat, one of which is a, a concept model I just sold to the Eli Broad Museum uh, from Michigan State University, which is on exhibit in a show I curated now where my Lancia is sitting. I That's have a right. Fulvia Fanaloni in chocolate brown. I, I also had a Fulvia Fanaloni. It's such a cool car. It's a great car. I love it I because saw, it's I saw, so it's an nobody ex- knows what it is. It's an exquisite. The thing that's amazing. It's really fun to it's, drive. It's, it's, I had a Fanaloni that was owned by the Lancia family. Oh, fantastic. And it was, and it was on a... And apparently it was sold because Mrs. Lancia didn't was found it too feisty, and she wanted great to seats in that car too. The, well, they have little cutaways in yeah. the side to save weight. But the whole Just the whole such car a, is so exquisitely beautiful, it's so small, and, 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 concise. Well, the thing about I feel like the the problem with the reason why that car doesn't do well, I think, is because in the American market, it's not a very it's not particularly mas- masculine or muscular. Like it's a perfectly taught balanced it won it won the Monte Carlo rally no I know that but if you look at the design it doesn't have the muscularity that people particularly in this country seem to like and it's called a fulvia like a vulvia vulvia. and now you're in the gang (laughs) too welcome aboard it only took an hour it only took you an hour to get in the gang (laughs) why do you make a foreskin joke now come on mazel tov (laughs) vulvia vulvia I have a Lancia vulvia oh nice (laughs) it's ripe for the (laughs) 
Okay, Look okay. at you. You pull it down the road. Oh. I'm sweaty now. Yeah, see? Now you're that. <laughs> that's more like it. That's just COVID. So Anyway, but I also – so I got rid of all my cars. I right. have I have the Lancia. But I have a really cool little thing, which is just boarding a ship in Southampton in the UK on its way to New York City. And it will probably be the death of me because it's the size of a keychain. <laughs> it's a 1976 Auto Bianchi A112 Abarth. Yeah, that is. It's it pocket is, size. It is the first hot hatch before the early uh, Volkswagen Golf. Yeah. And that's a fun, great little car to drive. So do you Driving that in New York City, it's like an SUV will be picking me out of its teeth. <laughs> because it is not the brightest really, car to I, drive I, in I New York City. I really like driving cars in New York City. I find it. Really? Yeah, I find yeah. it super. There's a, there's a sport to it. It's kind of video gaming. But it's just so gritty. I like in like gritty, not both. Gritty, G-R-I-T-T-Y. But also there's just the grid. There's no turns. There's no corners. Yeah, but in there's the holes in traffic. But there's holes in traffic, which I which there's is so holes you, in the street. That's well, there's holes. But if yeah. I go into a pothole, you'll never hear from me again. <laughs> in that car, yes. Yeah, in that car, right. yes. So it what doubles we, as a keychain. You and I share. We're the same in the sense that I'm always drawn to aesthetics. Like that's the thing yes. that I mean. The, when people say, "Oh, I got a new car," and they say, "My my first question is, what color is it?" Like I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, like the weird. Like I like the P. I had a, a Mercedes 1986 estate. Turbo diesel, yeah, and it was pea green, and oh, inside there were seven. I counted seven finishes in the interior of the car: fabrics, carpets, really? leathers. Yeah. It was extraordinary, and each one was a different variation. I saw of a hideous fifties kind of. I pea saw green. an amazing pea green uh, Jaguar XJ, a twelve-cylinder XJ coupe uh, on sun Sunday, and it was the same thing. It was like an orgy of. Pea green shades inside, outside, Love all that. of it. The car, the shag carpet, all of it was like this very. But that's how they used to do it. My family's first car that was an Austin Maxi from the seventies, which was a symphony of brown turd colors, <laughs> like inside, outside was mustard, and then it was just all kind of. I mean, that's how they did it. it was Brown's all mono- a cool color. Now it is. Sher- well, it was uh, uh, what was it? Porsche has another apple and uh, apple green color in the seventy six Turbo, which I just saw one coming up at auction. Fabulous color. I love. I, I love the Pasha seats. Those like oh, I love Pasha pattern. seats, man. I love Pasha seats. I'm actually going to do a car of mine in radium green. Nice. It was. I was going to go oratium green. Nuclear. That sounds like a nuclear yeah. fallout. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Porsche color. Apparently, I'd never seen it before. I had this one friend who's a painter in the UK, and she used to. She was not the nicest person, and would always criticize. The fact that I loved old cars and accused me of having a midlife crisis, making fun of this hobby of mine and infatuation with industrial design and these old cars. Then she ended up making like her most noted uh, body of work, painting Pasha car interiors. And the Porsche plaid is extraordinary. Wait, hang on. She took the Pasha interior design and did what with it? She made paintings of car interiors. Oh, I see. I see. One of them is called Kenny's car or something like that. I see. All right. So now, do you find that you are maybe coming back to cars slowly with the yeah. with the purchase of the the, the three cylinder keychain? Is it? <laughs> no, I had that for five or six years already. Or to be honest, I just left it in oh, I London. See. Okay. 
but it's I decided to ship it here, and now I need to borrow parking space in your garage. That's why I'm here. You know what? You may be able to and don't <laughs> lie to me and tell me you don't have room because I that, know you have room. It's also got, a very small car. Like you can, now we've you know. gone to the now we've gone to the root of why you accepted my. You think I just came you, here to be abused <laughs> by you and hear about your penis for two hours? <laughs> well, there's a DVD I'd be happy to give you, man, that has a more thorough expose of my organs. The sex tape of, yeah, yeah. in all your cars. Yeah, yeah, that's right, man. It, it's very short. I'd like to see it in your Stratos. You could probably, that would be something. Well, actually, funny, when I sold the Stratos, I've plunged into like a massive depression. I mean, automotive-related depression. For like six months, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I've been I, in one for 10 years. So. I know, man. I mean, look, it's nothing like what your, your experience. I can't even imagine. It's just so awful. Like. Again, like it's not, it, it doesn't have anything to do with cars. It has to do, again, with, the, with this kind of like imperfection of people. Sure. And the greed of like... You know, and it's shocking that, like, in the end, there's going to have to be a settlement made to get this person to go away so I can sell my car. So is he alleging that he's saying yours is fake? Oh, let's change this. Okay, yeah. all right. I'm just, it's just, my car it, is real as could be. No, I know that. And I know he's it's claiming real, but, it's But he's, that, saying it, he's saying it's fake. But then yes. is he claiming his is real? Yes. He has no parts. Okay, okay. He doesn't have any parts. He has a history file he bought from right. that could be vaguely associated Norbert with Norbert Singer other. allegedly used to own my 924, and I was really excited when I heard it. Wayne Levin, I had dinner with disposal. Him. I had dinner with him, and he was one of the most down-to-earth, spectacular. He had such great stories where— well, how can um, you not? <laughs> oh, there was a crazy story. There was a pre-Le Mans race uh, one year. What is that? Like a warm-up in the parking lot? <laughs> it's a warm-up, but not in the parking lot. Okay. It's a full-on race. and. Okay. None of them could scrape together on the Porsche amongst the drivers and the mechanics and Norbert Singer. They could not scrape together the fee to enter the race. The pre-race or the main the pre-race. race? pre-race. Okay. So Norbert Singer told the referee, I'll pay you from the winnings. <laughs> and they no him, pressure. No pressure. And, to and the they let him race and he won the race. Wow. That's a good story. Incredible. Yeah. I, he was such an extraordinary man and so humble and – I mean, yeah, really cool people. So, I mean, look, I'm dissuaded, but I'm, I love cars. And I, and like I said, like because I didn't even know that art was a thing, I uh, from an early age, like I was ripping out pictures in National Geographic and <laughs> road and track. I thought this was a – we were trying to keep this a family show, man, with your National Geographic <laughs> exploits. But really, that's the same model for like – I had a, a wall in the 70s made out of cork – in my bedroom and I would cut out all these magazines right. oh stop one, what I, I'm just nodding I'm just smiling I haven't said anything untoward Wait, and I, I used just... to make all these collages on my wall because I was isolated lonely quasi catatonic <laughs> and I'm still kind of my artwork is very much the same kind of digital collages sure. making videos and uh, manipulated uh, photographic work. Can we just talk about the Zaha Hadid thing for a second? Did you commission her to design cars or she just made them Here's, and you That's a funny found story. Them? Like, I wanted, I thought f- I would do, like I would build a building by Zaha. So before I even met her, she had yet to win the Pritzker Prize and she had yet to build a building in the UK where she had toiled away for 35 years. And she had won a famous competition to build an opera house in Cardiff. And because the British were so racist they couldn't bring themselves to let her actually build the building and they took it away from her unceremoniously just deprived her of this competition that she outright won and they pulled the commission and she couldn't build the building so for years she continued this is i mean in all serious for one seriousness (laughs) one seriousness i wasn't an architectural fanatic but i love great people that have done extraordinary things and this is a woman against all we like each other against all (laughs) 
<laughs> against this is exhausting. I need a nap. You need a nap. Against you you, you, against would you shut up? Against <laughs> all odds, this woman persevered, and like my whole career is based on pure passion and determination and being self wrought and just never the art world is so exclusionary and so hierarchical. We talked about mini design and accessibility, and I just love creating opportunities for other people and. Uh, just by stick-to-itiveness and dedication, that's why I've accomplished everything I've accomplished, including this wonderful podcast. That <laughs> Which is the pinnacle, part- partaking the pinnacle of your achievements. Yes, I feel like career. after this, Kenny, you could probably retire. So I love Zaha. So I, 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 I commissioned her firm before I met her. I just cold-called the firm. And they created some proposals for a design for a piece of property I acquired in Hoxton Square in the UK back in 2003. And... Saha is a very formidable person, and she's known to like n- to express herself in uh, no uncertain terms. That will upset the English. <laughs> it upset a lot of people. I'm sure. <laughs> she gave it to me a few times. I once saw her assistant, and I, he was so disheveled. I said, you look like you've been thrown out of a car, speaking <laughs> of cars. And he said, how do you know? She <laughs> threw him out of a moving car. <laughs> you have to love someone like that. Right. Anyway, so then – I loved the progressive nature of the designs that her firm was doing, and I became friendly with – she had one partner throughout her entire career who's now inherited the firm. This is the first time in history that an architectural practice has been bequeathed to someone, Patrick Schumacher, and the company is like tripled in in profit and and, um, projects breath. So anyway, so I had asked – Patrick, in the beginning part of our relationship in 04, uh, if he would design a car for me. And he did. He got a team to do it. And then without telling anyone, I blagged my way. I basically got a free berth in uh, in the Excel, uh, the London car, ex- car show back in like 06 at this point when we finished manufacturing. And then like I had never even told told Zaha. And she cornered me, fittingly enough, in the parking lot and just let me have it. How dare you speak to people in my company and not speak to me? And not, and she just screamed. I'm like, I was cowering. I'm like, I don't even know your phone number. And after that <laughs> – That's a terrible excuse. <laughs> oh, my God. We that's became, the worst like, And it was – and, and we became incongruous yet fast friends and ended up traveling to – to a dozen countries from Korea to Azerbaijan, Spain, New York, all over the world, Turkey. I I commissioned a dozen different design projects from her, a boat, another version of the car, and uh, furniture. This is amazing, man, because I'm a massive Zaha Oh, my Hadid God. Fan. I just loved – I mean, we That's had lunch fantastic. every week for, for years. Right. And uh, so, so, she was a wonderful – This is extraordinary. So she so – Loyal she, and extraordinary human being. And I just would just – I wouldn't even like – I haven't shut up for the past hour. I never spoke in her presence. Like, I just absorbed. Right. I never told her what I did. I, once when I won this That's how you are with me, I find. You absorb. So yes. I, there's, just, so much, there's so much you absorb Your aura is radiating. A great <laughs> degree of accomplishment. That's right. That's right. I'm flawed just I, to be sitting I, across I, from I, you. I, look, I, I, pre- I like your Sherpa more, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on. You commissioned the car. So how was it? Because I saw it. How was that thing? Where was it made? How was the it? The funniest thing was I got um, – oh, there was this amazing writer in the UK who actually wrote about the car in Autocar magazine. And he used to only write about horrible failed cars. <laughs> Richard uh, – Is he an Octane? No. He was – he's oh. a 
No, he was at Autocar for years. Okay. It'll come to me. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. But how was it? Where was it made? Oh, so the funny thing was after this art. <laughs> you this is like talking. Wow, you need a show. Help the agent. You help need, the agent. You need a conversational oh, show. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I need a need, doctor. Need is a, there a doctor in the house? I'm a, having a heart attack. You need a seeing eye dog, man. So I somehow managed to end up lecturing at one of the most esteemed departments of automotive design in the world at the Royal College. Okay. Along with Pasadena, it's probably the world's greatest car design department. And I lectured with Frank Stevenson who and, and from Ferrari and Maserati. Sure. Sure. And I lectured – I had a, this three-wheel car, concept car, that was going to be hydrogen-based. And the car was – smiling. The car was meant to drive upright in the city and as you – I've seen it. Yeah. So as you it's accelerated, amazing. it would have a hydraulic suspension and it would lower to lower the center of gravity when you were on the highway – and I ended up lecturing at the Royal College. And then I spent two years traveling all over the world to try to get this car manufactured. Okay. And they say famously, um, how do you how do you make a small fortune in the car industry? You start with a big one. <laughs> right. So I immediately got dissuaded. I didn't immediately. It took me two years. I went to kit car manufacturers. I went to Puk in Austria, like the German Jeep yep. manufacturer. And we, as we came closer to potentially building a road-going prototype – I was asked to come back to the Royal College to lecture, and we had a version two of the car rather than a three wheel car, like more, you know, the notion of practicality set in and reason. Right. So we made a four wheel car, and at that point, it didn't look all too dissimilar from some other prototypes that the students were rendering themselves. And when I gave the second lecture and I put up images of this four wheel car, which to them was just another ho hum prototype. I mean, they started to give me hell, like <laughs> criticizing me. And then the fire alarm rang and I was like, woohoo. And I ran out of the building and that Did was the end of – You triggered that yourself. <laughs> yes. You're like – you told your assistant, do the fire alarm now. Now was a good time. I need an assistant. I need a team. Everyone in the NFT space has a team. I need a team. But are they a real team or are they like a fictional team? I feel like everyone has a team, but they're not really real people. Okay. I think I'm done. That's it? You want to go home? Nap time? All right. That's all right. That's what good. else do we have to talk about? That's it, man. That's it. That was I mean, I still love cars. You're yeah. a nice guy. I like your – I mean, in all seriousness, you have a really cool, quirky – I just don't like ordinary things and I just like – I'm the you same. Know, and there's so many – I mean, it's a shame that cars have become so homogenous, like modern cars. Right. I miss the quirky, the unusual, the downright – I mean, like there's good, bad art. I am attracted to bad art, but I say it in the most endearing way. I call right. my collection crap. Most of it is under any <laughs> interpretation. But, you know, I just think like celebrating human peculiarity and eccentricity. Well, for me, there's nothing more interesting to me and more admirable than imagination. Yeah. And so when I see when um, – so when you collect things, whether it's cars or watches, whatever it happens to be, I'm so – always really impressed when I look at people's cars and it's not what I expect. The, the, it's a reflection of imagination of an interest in the darker corners of things. And that to me is always fascinating. I mean, I, it sounds silly. You know, I, you think of someone saying, I remember when hamburgers were five cents. <laughs> but I just wonder, like, is it really that things are becoming more generic, more the same? And you look at art and a lot of art is so commercial and people want what their friends have. And sometimes I worry that, like, is connoisseurship and like old notions of taste and just quality somehow seem to be slipping a little bit. I mean, there's always going to be 
great things being made and unusual things and people have dreams and visions and the will to follow through with it. But it just seems like even in the art world, like there are artists like Cause who was a toy designer and now sure. he makes these generic, like takes my favorite characters from growing up like in Sesame Street and puts X's through their eyes and then makes 500 of the same paintings and even like right. Damien Hirst. And it's just – it's a little – David um, Hurst used to be the, the he so was a great, great artist. I remember he was a, I was thinking, I was and thinking he sold about his soul. Day. I remember mean, he's the, making what was crap. The, what was the pure name? shit right now? What was the name of the of the shark in Formaldehyde? Because that was the best title of the I will of an tell you I, the impossibility of death in the mind of someone living, yeah. which is just fabulous. To me, his titles to me, alone that, were yeah, great. Yeah, to me, that title was a and piece he just of, like, was an extraordinary piece. What of happened art. was like imagine like a higher being telling you you can have your own money press and print as much money as you wish. And you have to just employ your own discretion as to how much you'll get carried away doing so. And he has a he has a thirty year younger girlfriend, and he's walking around and blazing with Versace on his shirts, and sure. and it's just making crap. And it's a shame because like you well, know, look, I, well, he, but he's also he himself is not making the majority. No, but that doesn't matter. I yeah, mean, I, I don't, don't care if you're having someone make it if it's good, but it's not even good. He's making like Disney characters out of marble with pieces missing, and I mean, it just. It's just bad. It's right. just bad art. What do you think of uh, Daniel Arsham? I was just because <laughs> you read my mind. That he was said like, he said pieces missing, and I was like, I think I know where this conversation yeah. is yeah, I mean, going. I mean, the Damien Hirst, some Jerry Saltz, the esteemed uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning critic, he posted Damien's new work of these dis- marble, expensively rendered Disney characters with these like bits of pieces missing and shells on them. Sure. And I wrote, "Are you sure?" I call him Daniel Ashram. <laughs> But like I've Snappy. criticized a lot of his work. I mean, he actually went to a good art school, sure. and yet he again, like, look, I would never say these people are not. I'm not a bitter old man, well, more or less. <laughs> well, but like they make a lot of. I mean, Daniel Ashram is a very successful entrepreneur. I wouldn't really say a lot of what he does is art because he just makes things in endless series. Well, the and thing, he's affiliated the, with 27 companies. The thing, and basketball the, the, the teams thing, the and, thing about Arsham to me is that is that his, he's in, he's clearly incredibly smart, and but he makes and he's mastered the idea of making money. Well, yeah, and he <laughs> and he makes stuff that's incredibly buyable and incredibly sellable. Um, and incredibly Instagrammable, like all the it's. it's but I mean, I think all, I think I mean it's a good like in in terms of art. There's a new genre over the past ten to fifteen years, and it's a hybrid between fashion and right. luxury goods. Yeah, that's right. So the I don't consider. I mean, when because Daniel is a Porsche fanatic, and oh, I God, actually don't get me started about I, those Porsches. Yeah, but I like he posted some video and I liked it, and then he he reposted. I can't believe Kenny Schachter actually liked one of my things because I've criticized him so much in the past. Right. And he said, look, he's brilliant. And I'd Agreed. be stupid to say that he's not because he is. Yeah. But it's just for me, it doesn't fall within my notion of what constitutes an artwork. Art is meant to like be something that affects – I mean – People say, like, how do you define a great piece of art? And I think of studying law, and there was a, a, a case before the Supreme Court adjudicating the issue of pornography. And the judge said, <laughs> You know, when you see it, I, I can't write it and describe it, but I know it when I see it. And right. great art touches me, makes me cry, makes the hair stand up on my arm. Yeah. And so much of the art that you see today from these people we mentioned, it has more to do with this calculated design, endless series. 
I mean, but I think, but I totally agree, man. I mean, that's exactly it's how not I feel. art. It's, it's an interesting. Well, they're collectibles. They're making yes. collectibles. It's like it's like a it's a very it's a very refined version of Franklin Mint. It's not refined. Well, no, I'd rather no. have a coin from Franklin Mint. <laughs> but it was it, more artistry in a coin I, I whacked mean, out by Franklin Mint. I mean, all the art I've ever made has always been is has been so for the most part incredibly uncommercial in the sense that it, it the, and I can and it's funny because as an artist I can look at I can look at Arsham and see how smart it is how how beautifully positioned it is as you say in this in this venn diagram intersection of commerce and fashion and branding and 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 kind of photogenicness even though that's not really a word but the, yeah, and, but it but it makes it inc- but it's you know the, I, the thing is it's great art to have in your living room it's great art to have in, not the, in my the, living well room. no no not in my neither but it's impressed. great art to have in the guest bedroom like it's easy to buy and it and it and it's a brand that people go oh you've got an arsham that's amazing right it's a good thing to buy if you want to flip well yeah so for <laughs> me of course being the, the nft flipper that apparently i am <laughs> well yeah, I, I mean it's I true know. man but i also i also would say this about about art i suspect there's there's always been in art or at least in the in the people who buy art, I would imagine that a large percentage of people who buy it buy it because it's it, because their want, friends have the same one. Their friend, well, one their friends have and the same thing. And it's expensive, and people yeah, know and how much they pay for it. It's look, it's like like a board ape, yeah, and even it's a like crypto a, it's, it's, look, it's like a Bergen a Birkin bag. Like yes, you buy 100%. it because then people go, or, you, or it's like wearing a Richard Mille watch. You buy it because people go, he has enough money to buy a, and a he Richard has Mille watch. Taste under quotation right. marks. So it's it's, per, it's it's purchased taste. But I think the difference is it used to be that like an artist like Jeff Koons or younger artists that have become very successful once they get successful as artists, then they begin to commercialize themselves and they get contacted by Hermes and Louis Vuitton. And then they do products for these companies based on their fame as an artist. And nowadays, it's the opposite. Oh, interesting. Cause became famous for toys, collectible toys. And he's like, if I just ramp it up in size, I can call it a sculpture and add two zeros to it. Right. And that's the careers of these people. Also, like some of – and again, like we're back to this initial discussion and then this discussion, I'll leave you alone. But like (laughs) – the mini and its and its its extraordinary effectiveness as a work of democratic design, like some of people equate great art with lots of money, and that's just not true. And some of the artists that I've cared the most about in my life, like Paul Tech, T H E K, he died in '88 from AIDS, destitute, and since then, like I don't think he ever sold the work in his life more than twenty to thirty thousand. And since then, I curated an exhibition at Pace, and we sold the piece to a museum for over a million dollars. And I think that being – it's better to be like – I mean the only thing worse than being behind the time is to be too far ahead of the time. Sure. Because people think in a collective sense and like your car collection and your aesthetic is definitely not a consensus collection. <laughs> That's right. Aguera. And- where- what is that? Aguara? <laughs> it, it comes like from the pig- jungles of Brazil. It sounds like pigeon poop or something. <laughs> <laughs> that word for... Listen, man. I mean... You, you, no, I, but that I, takes, you know, it's, it's interesting. I like that. that. You the, have the a one, point of view. It's unusual. Well, well, I think and that's what attracts me to your aesthetic. The job of an artist, and I think... In, is to is to is to be in front of people. It's to be ahead of, of where society is thinking. And and then eventually, I think in some well, look, that, that's, that's just that, not good for your bank account. Yeah, it's just not it's not good. Oh for your shit! Bank you have, have to run. To I am late for lunch. <laughs> All right, Kenny, thank you so much for coming. Thank man. you it, very it, very it was much. A real, it was a real delight. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great way to leave. I just realized. <laughs> just leg it. I have lunch in five minutes. It was fantastic. Thanks again. For thank coming, you very man. very much for it having me. All joking delight. aside, you're an extraordinary person. No no no. I appreciate. It, 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 Let's not be too nice to each other. That's going to get. Let's just leave it like that. Thank you very much.